Welcome back, all you punk rockers out there. On today's episode of Let's Talk Punk Rock, we're going to be staying where we were before in the 1970s on the UK side of things. So, whether you're that warrior at Woolsworth or dealing with your identity and saying, I can't do anything, let's submerge into today's episode. That's right, everyone. We're doing X-Ray Specs. Now, to be honest, X-Ray Specs is a band I wanted to do an episode on partially because I knew almost nothing about them. I'd seen them mentioned in a documentary here and there, which meant I'd heard a couple of their hits like Oh Bondage Up Yours or Identity, but I'd really never given them a chance. And I've got to tell you, they're definitely an interesting story and made a sound that was all their own, especially when you throw in that saxophone. One more point. It was brought to my attention in a review of the show that I butchered some English place names in the last episode. Chiswick, and not Chiswick, and Lester, and not Leicester. Sorry about that. There's a good chance I'll get some wrong again, just let me know when I do. Okay, moving forward with the show. We're going to start today with the lead singer, Polystyrene, as a lot of what drove this band, and even the band's formation in the first place, centers around her. Polystyrene, whose real name is Marion Joan Elliot Said, was born in Bromley in 1957. Her mother was British, but her father was Somali. He did not stay in the picture much, leaving her mother to raise her. Her mixed race became a struggle for her growing up, trying to find her own identity. Around the age of 15, she quits school and runs away from home, leaving behind a note and five pounds that she owed her mother. She went to Hastings, where she met some hippies and stayed with them for a time. From there, she was off to Bath, where she worked in a pub for a while. Back to Hastings, where she got busted for stealing a Persian rug with some friends she was squatting with, and her mother had to come get her. Being only 15, the judge let her mother choose the consequence, and she decided on community service for young polystyrene. At some point around these years, she meets a man nearly twice her age named Falcon Stewart, who would later be the manager of X-Ray Specs, and begins dating him. This relationship, as you might have imagined, was not really approved of by her mother. She met him at the Oval House Theater Workshop. He was a filmmaker and photographer most known at the time for his 1974 porn documentary, Penetration. I found that it was Falcon who came up with the name Polystyrene, but I've also seen interviews where Styrene says she came up with the name because it was a lightweight disposable product, just like pop stars. We do come across a few instances, though, where Styrene contradicts herself in different interviews, most likely making some things up for the better story. On her 19th birthday, July 3rd, 1976, she sees the Sex Pistols perform at Hastings Pier and sees the potential punk has as a business. She was always into fashion, but also loved the energy of it all. She had had a little experience singing before, but wanted to get a punk band together. An ad was placed in NME and Melody Maker titled, Young Punks Who Want to Stick It Together. The first to respond were Jack Airport, real name Jack Stafford, who played a flying V guitar that he called Candy Darling after a character in a Warhol movie, Paul Dean on bass, and Laura Logic, real name Susan Whitby on saxophone. Logic would be the youngest member of the band at only 15. 
The saxophone, being an unusual instrument in punk music, would be part of what helped the band stand out. Styrene liked all of these people and found them both talented and cute. They soon found their drummer Rich T, and the band was set. Styrene had already been writing songs, and they were soon ready to perform. After only six rehearsals, they played the Roxy. In March, they played there with the Drones and Chelsea, and then the following month, they played there again with the Buzzcocks, Wire, and Johnny Moped. Both of these shows fell in the first 100 days of the Roxy. At the time, they only had about six songs to play, but one of those got recorded for the Roxy London WC2, which was a collection of live recordings of punk bands that played there. The song they recorded was possibly their biggest hit, Oh Bondage, Up Yours. The intro here gets a little messed up due to the drummer dropping his sticks and Jack Airport's guitar strap breaking, but it's barely noticeable. See if you can hear any slip-ups there. Publicity from the Roxy performance caught the eye of the owner of the Man in the Moon pub in Chelsea. He came into a stall that Polly had on the King's Road, bought a tie, and talked to Styrene about playing at his pub. They ended up playing there every Wednesday night for a while. Eventually, Rich T is asked to leave the band because he refused to cut his long hair and is replaced by B.P. Herding, who had played in Shag Nasty. Due to being a big guy and there already being a Paul in the band, he got his nickname BP, which stood for Big Paul, though Styrene would sometimes tell people it was for British Petroleum. In September of 77, they release a studio-recorded version of Oh Bondage Up Yours. Though the song is often taken as a feminist anthem, Styrene has stated that it was never feminist in nature, but really referred to all forms of bondage. Mostly, it was an anti-consumerist, anti-capitalist song. She was hinting at how punk had already become a consumerist thing, and although Styrene would definitely be considered a feminist today, she never really thought of herself as one. At this time, feminism had a negative connotation of the hairy woman who hates all men. She didn't want to be seen like that. Later that year, in one of the more disappointing moments of the band, Laura Logic is kicked out at age 16. The story given is she needed to focus more on school. The truth, though, was that she was getting more attention than Styrene, and Styrene didn't like that. Supposedly, this was all sparked by a review in Sounds by Jane Suck, where she said something along the lines of, The saxophone sound is X-ray specs, or Laura Logic is X-ray specs. This didn't sit well with Polly Styrene, and Logic was blindsided by being asked to leave the band. She had gotten along with Styrene well and thought everything was going great. This act caused a shift in the band where the other members felt they could be kicked out at any moment. Falcon would say things to the band like, if they didn't like the way things were going, they could all just go back to their old job. This made them feel expendable, which can definitely take the fun out of what you're doing. Logic is later contacted by Jeff Mann, who gives her some studio time to record. She gets Rich T on drums, Tim Wright on bass, and Stuart Action on guitar, and they record their first album as Essential Logic. 
At first, Logic is replaced by John Glenn, who goes on to play with Reckless Eric. Eventually, they get Rudy Thompson, real name Steve Thompson, to join on saxophone. The nickname Rudy is given to him by Styrene from the song A Message to You, Rudy. Thompson was often in the crowd at X-Ray Spec shows and found his way backstage when he heard they were needing a saxophone player. He introduced himself and told them he was a model, but wanted to show the world he was more than just a pretty face. From late November to early December of that year, they played the Front Row Festival at the Hope and Anchor in Islington. This gets them featured on a double album recording of the festival along with Wilco Johnson, 999, The Only Ones, The Saints, The Stranglers, and XTC. February of 78, they recorded a session for John Peel's Late Show on BBC One Radio. This was big as they were rarely played on the radio and most of their following just came from word of mouth on the street. They then get an invite from Hilly Crystal to come to the States and play a two-week residency at CBGB's. They were his favorite British band even though their album wouldn't be released in the States for just over another decade in 1992. They played at CBGB's twice a night for those two weeks and were often seen by Richard Hell and members of Blondie. Coming from London, New York was really overwhelming to Styrene and the others. Styrene was really starting to feel it though as fame was beginning to get to her. It didn't help that Falcon was keeping her away from the rest of the band and telling her that she could go solo. Originally, the entire band traveled together, but Falcon started to make it where he and Styrene rode together in one car and the rest of the band would be in another, further isolating her from them. Paul Dean mentions in Celeste Bell's book, Dayglow, his amazement at New York and how places were open all the time. The fact that there were so many channels on the TV was amazing to him as they only had three back home. After they get back from New York, Styrene writes Let's Submerge about her experiences in New York and playing at CBGB's. Along with Falcon isolating her, Styrene was having difficulty relating to the other band members as they didn't like the same things. Keep in mind, this is a group of young men and she is the only girl. They enjoyed things like getting drunk after gigs and she just wasn't really into that. Not that she didn't drink, but there was more than just that for her. She smoked weed more than drank and once told Paul Dean that Falcon had been giving her LSD, which couldn't have been good for her mental illness that would soon start to show itself. March 18, 1978, X-Ray Specs plays Top of the Pops. They performed another of their big hits, The Day the World Turned Day Glow. They all took a hit of acid before going to the BBC to record. Paul Dean says this was one of the worst ideas they had ever done. Once they got there, the drugs made it difficult for them to find where they needed to go. 
Top of the Pops was a big deal for the band. Getting any radio play was rare as a punk band. Dean states that once even, Kenny Everett put on their record, and after hearing those first lines from Polly, <laughs> Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard, but I think... Oh, bondage! Up yours! He lifts the needle and says, that's enough of that rubbish. One night after a gig in Doncaster, Styrene goes back to her hotel room where she claims she saw a bright ball of light the size of a bus flying through the sky. It then zoomed up to her window and probed the room with its light. She sat frozen there as it did this. There is a decent chance that she had been drugged as sometimes this would happen more than she realized. This isn't her first experience like this, however. She once reported to her bodyguard, Mad Mary, that she met people from outer space when she was three. The next day, she told the band about the flying saucer and that it had told her to give up the electric and plastic way of life and to go for a more simplistic one. She then proceeded to strip naked in the car, telling them she had to go back and she needed to be Marion again. She had to be hospitalized after this, which she hated. She would be misdiagnosed as schizophrenic. Despite being a total ass most of the time by keeping money from the band members and loosely threatening them, Falcon did keep the band paid while Styrene was away. He even mortgages his home to help make sure they were paid. She is eventually let out of the hospital and things continue as normal. She develops a bit of a crush on Johnny Rotten, but also feels a dark aura around him, which worries her. She would hang around his apartment, which some took as her wanting to get validation from the punk scene. They were not always nice to her. Once Sid Vicious tricked her into going into the cupboard under the stairs and locked her in there, which really upset her. Another time at Rotten's apartment... She was hanging out with others and excused herself to use the restroom. After about 20 minutes, she came back out and had completely shaved her head. She'd apparently had some sort of traumatic experience while on tour, and this was part of her breaking down about it. Falcon later showed up with two men in white coats to take her to the hospital again. There's a quote from Styrene where she says she'd shave her head if she was ever seen as a sex symbol. She said that this isn't why she shaved her head, though. All of this happens not long before they are set to play Rock Against Racism on April 30th, 1978 at Victoria Park with Steel Pulse, The Clash, The Ruts, Sham 69, Generation X, and Tom Robinson Band. This gig was very important to X-Ray Specs, and to be headlining was a huge deal. It had been set up partly in response to the emerging skinhead scene. Now, you may or may not know that to be a skinhead hasn't always had the racist meaning. Skinhead was originally a multicultural thing, actually. It was mainly English and Jamaican kids who enjoyed bands like the Scottalites and were taking pride in their working-class status. It did start to turn into the racist, nationalist thing that it is associated with today, though, which can be frightening. If you're interested in this, I recommend checking out the documentary The Story of Skinhead by Don Letts. The other thing that sparked the need for this concert was Eric Clapton's racist rant he went on during a concert in 1976. Styrene wore a wool scarf to cover her shaved head for this concert. Falcon told her that she'd better not take it off during the show, and she assured him she wouldn't. She then gave Paul Dean a wink, which I can only imagine as a knowing mischievous one. Sure enough, halfway through the set, she took it off. Falcon was pissed. The band thought it was funny and the crowd gasped at what she had done. Just over half a year later, the album Germ-Free Adolescence is finally released in November of 78. Styrene had another breakdown around this time and was back in the hospital when it was released. 
Styrene had always been smart about copywriting her songs, but she signed those rights away one day while she was in the hospital. She didn't get the rights back until the 90s when she hired an entertainment lawyer. Now, like a lot of Styrene's writing, this album was mostly about anti-consumerism. Still, it went for a more fun feel than a lot of the other punk bands around at the time who were going on a destroy attitude. The cover of the album was all of the members in test tubes, which upset Polystyrene. She didn't have a problem with the concept so much, but they apparently stretched her and BP to make them look thin. Now, although the album was mostly about anti-consumerism, one song on the album was inspired by a darker moment Styrene witnessed at the Roxy in the restroom. She saw Bromley contingent member Tracy O'Keefe slash her wrist in the restroom. This prompted her son to write the song Identity. Another big hit on the album was Oh Bondage Up Yours, which wasn't actually on the album originally and was only added in 1993. The album originally made it to number 30 on the British album charts. With the album out, they went on a full UK tour to promote it. Styrene was really suffering from her mental illness now and nobody seemed to make the connection. They wrote it off as she's just tired or she's just being odd. They soon developed a reputation of not always showing up to shows due to Styrene's mental health. This caused promoters to not want to book the band. In 1979, Styrene was wanting to play more mellow songs and had the band try them out on tour. She was really into it, but most of the band hated it. Once, while performing in Paris at a place called Le Palace, the crowd got so angry at the mellow songs they threw fireworks on stage. During the show, Jack Airport brought out his acoustic guitar for a song. The whole idea pissed BP off to the point he threw down his drumsticks and marched off stage. He told them that he didn't want to be there if they were going acoustic. The crowd responded to this acoustic part of the performance by spitting at her. She told them if they didn't stop, then she wouldn't play. Well, this only prompted them to spit more. Then she told them to stop or she would leave, and still they did not stop. She went to her dressing room and threw a chair through a mirror before screaming. After that tour had finished, Styrene was so worn out she decided to quit. She put out a solo album called Translucence and then joined Hare Krishna, just like Laura Logic had done. Styrene no longer wanted anything to do with punk, and the rest of the band split shortly after her departure. This was all upsetting to the band, who felt they had more albums they could put out. On top of that, they were having a hard time getting any of their money they had earned out of Falcon. BP and Airport went on to form the band Classics Nouveau, Paul Dean and Rudy Thompson went on to form a band called Agent Orange with Anthony Tex Doty, who then went on to form Transvision Vamp. Now, before you think, wow, I didn't know that about Agent Orange, this is not the same Agent Orange from California who've had their fair share of success. By 1983, Styrene has fully joined Hare Krishna, which tends to make more trouble for her. Her own daughter has to be taken away from her for a time, and her mental illness really starts to get amped up. 1991, Styrene reforms X-Ray Specs, with her being the only original member, to play a sellout show at Brixton Academy. Still very fashionable, she wore a blue foam dress with an army helmet on her head. 
This performance had mixed reviews, but many, including former members of the band who had come to see, said that it really wasn't very good. Also, in 1991, her mental health diagnosis is corrected as having bipolar disorder and not schizophrenia. Mental illness had really taken its toll on Styrene. She had lost friends, gigs, and even her own daughter for a time due to it. She was also in and out of the institution. In 1995, X-Ray Specs reunites again, this time with Polystyrene, Laura Logic, and Paul Dean. They released the album Conscious Consumer, which was not a commercial success. The recordings were rushed, and soon, issues between Styrene and Logic began to form again. Touring and promotion had to end after Styrene was diagnosed with malaria, which she had gotten on one of her trips to India. On top of this, she actually got run over by a fire engine in central London, which fractured her pelvis. If that wasn't bad enough, they then found a tennis ball-sized ovarian cyst in Styrene, who decided to not have it removed. It would have caused a hysterectomy, and she still potentially wanted to have another child, despite being nearly 50 already. The next year, in 96, X-Ray Specs plays the 20th anniversary of Punk Festival in Blackpool, but without Styrene. Styrene had withdrawn at the last minute, and they put in a different female singer they found, going by the name Polyphila. To me, this sounds like a made-up name to show she was filling in for Styrene, but... I couldn't find much more on this. The band then disbanded again after the show. Jack Airport then goes on eventually to work in public relations at the BBC. He would later die August 13, 2004 of cancer. April 28, 2008, Styrene performs O Bondage Up Yours to a crowd of over 10,000 people at the Love Music Hate Racism Free Concert in Victoria Park, East London. Five months later, on September 6, X-Ray Specs performs again to an audience of over 3,000 at the Roundhouse in London. The only original members this time were Styrene, who was a little off because she had taken her meds, and Paul Dean, who had to be convinced to do it in the first place. Dean says that the guitarist they used couldn't play Airport's parts right, and they even got into an argument about this. The guitarist kept forgetting his parts when they performed the gig, but nobody seemed to notice. In attendance at this gig were Celeste Bell, Styrene's daughter, as well as Paul Dean's son, daughter, and wife. They performed the entire Germ-Free Adolescence album, except for the song Plastic Bag. Only a few years later, April 25, 2011, Polly Styrene passed away from spinal and breast cancer in her sleep in East Sussex, London, at the age of 53. Alright, that's it for this one. We are done with X-Ray Specs. An interesting band for only having the one album with the original lineup. Now, if you're interested in more about the singer's life, I got a lot of information from the book Day Glow, The Polystyrene Story. It is really eye-opening and hits on the mental illness a lot more. It is definitely worth the read. Okay, so a special thanks to all you punk rockers out there listening. Please don't forget to leave a 5-star review if you haven't already. I do read those, and it's a great place to leave comments on what bands you'd like to see in the future. It's also just a great way to help others find the show. If you think you know anyone interested in punk or x-ray specs, let them know about this podcast. Word of mouth is always a great way to let people know what's going on. Thanks as always to Granddaddy Long Craig for designing the show logo. You can get that logo printed on a ton of stuff over at the TeePublic account I've set up. There's a link to that page in the show notes. We've hit the 1,000 downloads mark recently, and so, per a couple requests, I've gone ahead and set up a Patreon as well. This is another great way to help out the show. 
Remember that this is a one-man operation. I do all of the research, recording, and editing on my own, so every little bit helps keep the lights on. Now, if you need to get in touch with me, I still have the usual ways. I'm on Twitter at Let's Talk Punk. That's Let's underscore Talk underscore Punk. There's also a Facebook page, or you can email me at Let's Talk Punk Rock at gmail.com. That is all one word there. Let's Talk Punk Rock at gmail.com. That's the best place to contact me with any questions, corrections, or stories to share. I will gladly read all of them. Finally, having already met my first Patreon goal, I'm in the process of designing a website for the show, so keep a lookout for that. I'll put a link in the show notes once it's finished. Alright, now for the final part of the show. Hints to our next episode. They are yet another band from London that formed in 1976. They were also one of the first gothic rock punk bands. And finally, they currently have 11 studio albums ranging from 1977 to 2018. Think you've got it? Let me know on social media. Alright, that's it. I'll catch you on the flip side.